The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning, church, and welcome to our Spiritual Renewal Conference. This is a time over the course of our year where we set aside specifically for the purpose of giving ourselves to extra time in the Word, uh, more time in corporate gathering and in worship and prayer. And so I just want to say thank you so much for your willingness to prioritize this time. Uh, For those of you who were here last night for our prayer and just preparing our hearts, uh, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to continue to do through this season. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to have a, a heart that desires to go deeper with God. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you ever find yourself in moments where you're busy with work and family and kids and marriage and all the things that just kind of constitute life, and subtly you find maybe your heart just not as maybe passionate as it once was for the Word? or quite as hungry as it once was for the, for the presence of Christ, or, or maybe you found yourself just, you know, it's not that you are totally like anti-God, but you find your heart getting cool and somewhat cold toward the things of the Lord. And, and I don't know if that's somewhere where you find yourself, but I know every once in a while my heart can get there. And so because of that, in the rhythm of our schedule here at Ambassador, we like every once in a while just to set aside some time to give ourselves corporately as a church family a little bit extra to the word. And so last night we got together, we enjoyed a meal, then we got around God's word together, we prayed. Uh, This morning we'll get together tonight at 5 o'clock, we'll get together again tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Just so corporately as a church family, we can give ourselves to extra time in the word, extra time as a family just praying and seeking God's face. And, And that's really the spirit and the heartbeat of this time. Uh, I've invited to join us this week Will Galkin to be our guest, and uh, I'm just getting to know Will myself a little bit. The, the backstory of it is last year our teenagers went to camp, and when they went to camp, uh, the speaker for that particular week, Will was speaking, and one of the teenagers brought back a CD, and uh, on vacation I was listening to his CD, and it was such a tremendous help and encouragement to me. It really blessed me on just some really, really deep levels, and as I was listening, I thought, you know, what? I, I want to invite him. I want to get to know him. I want to invite him and, and to, to speak to our church family, so I called him up, and uh, he, he really had to schedule some things around and move some things around, but he was willing to be with us for these couple of days, and I'm so thankful that you'd work it in your schedule to be a part. Uh, for 15 years plus, he has served as an itinerant evangelist, literally traveling around every state in the country, preaching the Word of God. He has a team, a uh, worship team that travels with him, and they uh, just just lead in worship, and they, they've been doing this for many, many years. He has five children, and they all just serve the Lord together in these ways. And in the last couple of years, the Lord's called him to help plant a church uh, in Salt Lake City, the Gospel Grace Church. And uh, God's just using that church in a tremendous way uh, in an area that is often unreached and unchurched. And so uh, he now is kind of uh, juggling both uh, serving as a pastor but continuing that itinerant ministry. And uh, it's just a blessing to see how God's using them and will continue to use them. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter number 4 today if you have your Bibles. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today, and I want to encourage many of you, please, if it all works in your schedule, there's, there's, there's nothing on television that's going to be as good as what's going on tonight at 5 o'clock, all right? So I want to encourage you to be back here at 5 this evening. I know it'll be an encouragement and help to you. So as you're finding your place in your Bible, uh, Will, you come and preach God's Word to us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. 
Thanks, Pastor. Well, thank you, Pastor Josh, and um, thanks for being here this morning. And uh, as Pastor Josh was saying, my name is Will Galkin. My wife, Christy, and I, we have uh, five children, and um, they're in Salt Lake City. And in fact, they're participating in the uh, worship team there uh, at Gospel Grace. I want to say thanks to the musicians this morning. Thanks for all your preparations and um, hard work with that and uh, helping us just um, do some pre-sermon worship. Uh, really, this whole morning is worship, right? As we hear the word, as we, as we give, as we hear announcements, we're all just saying, hey, how can, I, how can I plug in church? How can I plug in with this community? Aren't you glad that, um, aren't you glad we get to do church? Did anyone have a rough week at all? Anyone have a rough week? Anyone have things you didn't like this week? You know what's great about church is here we come as a family. We refresh our brain with truths and we let the word reign in our heart. In fact, that's what this spiritual renewal conference is. It's just, it's really just three days. It's just four services. We're just trying to get more of God's word in our life. None of us are hurt by getting more of God's word in our life. Well, we have a little phrase about Salt Lake. We say Salt Lake is dying for lack of the word. Um, we say that all the time to each other. That's just a little catchphrase. Salt Lake is dying for lack of the word. But, but isn't the case? Couldn't we say that about Fresno? You know, Fresno's dying for lack of the word. You know, the God's word. But our own souls, I mean, we die because of the lack of the word. Our, our church does not typically have Sunday night uh, services. And yet um, we do have things like this where we like say, we set aside and we say, but we are going to meet together for this or on this specific teaching or this specific gathering. And so... Um, I, I don't think you typically have Sunday evening services, but would you consider being back at five? And uh, we're going to be uh, timely. We're going to sing a couple songs, get right to the word. But I, I think you're going to be helped. And, um, and then on Monday at seven o'clock, love to see you as well. Because um, just get more of the word in, right? Just get more, more of the word. And so we'll look forward to seeing you as uh, you are able. Um, grew up in, uh, I was born in California. San Jose, actually. Um, uh, grew up in Idaho. Uh, went to a Bible college in Wisconsin. Uh, started traveling with a, another evangelist uh, on his team. I, I was single. This good-looking girl came on the team. She could sing, and she's pretty. I said, I want to marry her, right? She was more like, I don't know if I want to marry him. But uh, God heard my cry, and um, uh, we got married, and we traveled with that same team for a while. And then... Um, then we start our own team, and, um, and then the last, as Pastor was saying, these last five years, we've been part of uh, planning this church in Salt Lake City, 13 blocks from the temple, and um, the Lord's just given us a, a location. We've got a, a good, good-sized assembly. We're, by God's grace, we're planting another church, um, Palm Sunday of 2018, and um, we're just praying, how, how does God want us to help? How does God want us to, to help preach the gospel in that needy area? It's so exciting to see the gospel power of Jesus Christ just change lives. And um, if you were to be at Gospel Grace Church this morning, you'd see people from all walks of life. And you'd see some wealthy, you'd see some poor, you'd see some religious, you'd see some not religious. Um, you'd see a lot of folks, and it's, it's pretty exciting mission work, what the Lord's doing uh, right there in Salt Lake City. You know, the foundation of what we do as Christians is the gospel. And if we're not quite sure the gospel, then we're not quite sure how we stand with other people. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ was given to us to reconcile man to God. 
But the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only is it a message of reconciliation towards God, towards man, it's the means by which I can have a relationship with you. I mean, how can I step into this pulpit? I've never, I've never been here. I, 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 how can I step into this service? I've, I've never been to Fresno. I've never ministered in Fresno in my life. And yet, here I am at, at Ambassador Baptist Church just preaching God's word. How is that? It's because of the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, God has allowed me to be at peace with him. And therefore, I can be a minister of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and well, actually and 5. And it's really just a ministry that is, I'm assured that God loves me. I can love you even if you don't like me. In fact, how many of you have at least one relationship where you just don't know where you stand with that person? But you know what? As you are assured of the gospel power of Jesus Christ, you have been set free to love. In fact, that's what we see in 1 John. Can you turn to 1 John chapter 4? The context of 1 John chapter 4 is actually an exhortation. It's an exhortation of love. He says in verse 7, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That was verse 1 of chapter 4. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He tells us in the last verse of, of chapter 4, and this is the commandment we have from him, he, that, that he who loveth God love his brother also. The exhortation for these believers, probably believers in Ephesus, was to love one another. False teachers had come in, and they began to stir up the pot. And all the insecurity, where do I stand? Does God like me? Does God love me? Causes people to live selfishly. And, and John's saying, no, you must and you can love others because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You can and you must love others because Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He, he leveraged the love of God to you. In fact, if I could just tell you the punchline of this passage, the punchline is that because of Jesus Christ, I can and must love others. And if it's, not without, if it's without Jesus Christ, then it won't be love because, are you ready for this? A fearful person can only think about themselves. A fearful person can only think about themselves. If I'm afraid of what you think of me, then, then I'm not going to speak truth. I'm not going to live in a principled manner. I'm going to adjust my message so that you like me. But a, but a person that's secure in God's love has the fortitude and the character to be able to do what's right in every circumstance, to love the unlovely, to, to really care for those that, that really are mean and unkind. But a fearful person can only think about themselves. In this passage of Scripture, Starting with verse 13, we see really the manifestations or the evidences of one that's assured of their salvation. We see three manifestations of this, and it's really uh, it's typified by really the idea or the concept that God dwells in me and I dwell in God. A, a person is a Christian not because of what they do. A person is a Christian not because of where they attend church. A person is a Christian because God dwells in them and they dwell in God. See if you can't find those manifestations in verse 13 through 16. Hereby know we... That we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. There's the first one. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. That's the second one. And we've come to know and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. That's the third manifestation. So how is it that I can know that I'm a Christian? How is it that I can have an assurance of salvation? It's because of the possession of the Spirit of God. It's, it's really a profession of Jesus Christ 
It's actually a possession or, or really a manifestation of the love of God. My dad, Bill Galkin, he grew up in East L.A. He liked the Brooklyn Dodgers before they became the L.A. Dodgers. And so when they moved out from the East Coast to West Coast, I mean, he was one excited dude. But he, he was 100% Russian. His mom was born on the way over from Russia. They were part of the, the Molokan, it was an offshoot, uh, the Molokan Church, an offshoot of the Russian Orthodox Church that was a little bit more um, uh, charismatic in nature and at the core, theologically, they taught that they could lose their salvation. In fact, as they drifted out of the Molokan Church into really a, a church that taught that you could lose your salvation, um, my, my dad lived an up-and-down Christian life. But, but theologically, this makes sense. I mean, if, if I'm not sure that I'm in Christ, then I'm going to be a little bit fearful. And a fearful person can only think about who? And so now my religion is about me trying to safeguard my position with God, and it's not really about me loving you. You, you see, if, if, if God loves me because I preach a good sermon, then, then I'm not thinking about how can I love you. I'm thinking about how can I preach a good sermon. I mean, if God likes me because I take groceries to my neighbor, I'm not thinking about just loving my neighbor. I'm thinking about getting the most perfect groceries to my neighbor so God likes me. A fearful person can only think about themselves. And so my dad lived this up and down Christian life. I mean, just never secure. How many of you have ever doubted your salvation? Can I just tell you straight up, I've had, I had long seasons of deep, deep doubt. I could go into details with my family and I could talk to you about things about my, my grandpa and, you know, great grandfather committing suicide and some of those things and just personality and, and just background. But I, I, I had a real bout of, of doubting my salvation and really fearful. Am I in Christ or not in Christ? And those fears cause you to live and focused on yourself. My dad, well, living that up and down Christianity, I, I got so burdened for him. I, it was about seven years ago, I reached out to my dad. I said, hey, dad, what about your soul? He goes, well, ever since Pastor Mark came to our church, Pastor Mark has just been, he's just a faithful preacher of God's word. He says, well, ever since Pastor Mark's been to our church, you know, he, he took that, that long series on the book of Ephesians. And, and, and he, my dad said, you know what, as I listen to the book of Ephesians, I've just come to understand that my right relationship with God is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. I didn't know what a comfort that'd be. My dad died about 18 months later. I stood up in front of 300 people in a little church in Twin Falls, Idaho, and I said, I just want you to know that Bill Galkin said that his right relationship with God was based on the finished work of Jesus Christ alone alone you know the application is pretty clear there could be folks here that you're thinking that your right relationship with god is based on what you do it could be that there's some of us here that we really don't know christ and yet this message is going to help us understand what it is to become a true believer in jesus christ but it could be that there are some young christians here or maybe some some theologically weak christians that that, there, that there's all sorts of internal struggles because we we haven't really quite understood what the Bible says about what salvation is. And it could be that what God wants to do this morning is he just wants to come alongside you and he wants to give you a hug. And he just wants to pull you along and he just wants to explain to you what salvation is so that you don't have to live in fear so that you can be set free to love. 
So let's go to the text and let's look at really these three manifestations or these three assurances of uh, these three manifestations of an assurance of salvation. The first being the possession of the Holy Spirit. This is found in verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. So, so what happens when a person becomes a Christian? I think sometimes we can so emphasize really some of the external aspects of what it takes to become a Christian that we almost think that the externals are what has saved us. And so what happens at salvation? Well, from man's perspective, it's called conversion. From from my perspective, it's it's like when I, I see my sin, my shortcoming, I broke God's law, and I see Jesus Christ, God the Son, who died on the cross, was buried and rose again from the dead. And so from my perspective, I was converted. In fact, it's really not wrong to say I got saved. I, I, when I was just a young boy, I was um, in a service. My pastor was preaching. It's appointed a man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. I was so burdened about my sin. I, was just, I just looked at my mom. I was just a young boy. And she goes, are you okay? And I said, no, I want Jesus right now. <laughs> I was kind of driven back then. I'm not now. I'm, I'm not driven at all, I promise. And, um, and, and my mom goes, are you too young? I go, no, I want Jesus right now. I, I, our church, the tradition at the end of the service, the pastor was standing in the front and, and they have an opportunity to respond. And I, I left my chair. I went up to Pastor Bob. I said, Pastor Bob, I want Jesus right now. Pastor Bob's wife, Caroline, took me over to side side somewhere and my mom was with her and just opened up the scriptures and i put my faith and trust in jesus christ i i got saved from man's perspective it's called conversion but from god's perspective it's called regeneration from god's perspective i mean really what what did i do to save myself did i have some moral capacity to somehow clean up my heart right did i was i able to all of a sudden go like okay i'm i'm dead ephesians i'm dead in my trespasses and sins and now somehow i'm going to put new life in myself it's like a it's like a, a um, really a maybe i've, I've got uh, i need a bone marrow transplant and and so i've, I've got severe leukemia and so i i, I say i know what i'm going to do I, I want the bone marrow to, to to, to be taken from this arm and to be put in this arm. That, that wouldn't make sense, would it? You know, th- th- those that are infected don't, don't have the capacity to heal themselves. And so from my perspective, it's called conversion. From God's perspective, it's called regeneration. It's where God puts his spirit in us. So hereby know we that we dwell in Christ. We dwell in God. And, and God is in us because God has given us of his spirit. And so Ephesians says this, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after you believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise aren't you glad that when god enters into into us and we are brought into god how many of you that are christians are glad that god seals you i mean did anyone mess up today anyone think evil today here we are we come to church And we can think all sorts of evil, can't we? I mean, how many of you thought any evil thought in this building today? Raise your hand. Come on, let's be honest. Maybe a thought of fear, thought of covetousness, thought of jealousy or envy or or, or really a a materialistic thought or, or some other thought process. But aren't you glad that just because there was some sinful thought that you weren't all of a sudden cast from God's presence? 
Aren't you glad technically those sins were forgiven at the cross? And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you positionally are right before God. You see, he seals us, he keeps us, and he adopts us, and he bears witness with us. That's what Romans 8 tells us about the work of the Spirit. For you've received the spirit of bondage again under fear. You have not received the spirit of bondage again under fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And God just keeps us and God just assures us. In fact, some ways, a Christian just knows. Like, I just know I'm in Christ. I, I'm a Christian because I'm a Christian. I mean, it's just like God bears witness with our spirit. I mean, you ever had a, you ever watched something funny happen before? And you know, this guy, he's walking out of the room and he slips and he falls and this cup of water goes up and splashes on this person. But the way it happens, I mean, it's just so funny. And you go and you talk to your friend. You're like, oh, you'd never believe this. I was walking and I saw this and this guy, he slipped and he fell and this cup of water went up. And I mean, it was so funny. And so like this guy, this guy, he slipped, you know, and like he fell and like the water. And I mean, it was so funny. Well, I guess you just had to. And how is it Christian? How is it that Christians know that God dwells in them and they are in God? Because this is not a dead religion. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so the Spirit of God, He seals us. The Spirit of God, He, he, he bears witness with us. But the Spirit of God, it's not just some like a, a, a subjective feeling. There's objective change. I mean, at the core level, God begins doing a work in our life from the inside out. This is what true conversion is. It's where the Spirit of God dwells in us so that there's a desire to go. Grow. I mean, in, in other passages of Scripture, in Colossians 3, he reminds us, he said, if you've been raised with Christ, if you've been brought into union with Jesus Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek and set your attention on things above. Later on, verse 5, he says, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. He says, put on, therefore, what you've been clothed in. He says, lie not one to another. All these imperatives in Colossians 3 are backed up by your position in Jesus Christ. Do you know? that Christians want God? Like, like it's, it's um, I, I've been in no, multiple circumstances where there's somebody that has made a profession of faith doesn't even look like Jesus. Do you know, do you know anybody like that? I, I, I was in a circumstance where this guy, he, he'd slept with five other, five other women and, and one of the women that he slept with, the, the husband was, was overseas and, and, and was in the military. And, and, I, and I said, how does that make you feel? I mean, he was just so numb. This guy was so numb. And, and I said, how does it make you feel? Here you are, you're, you're sleeping with somebody that's, that's fighting for your own freedom. And he, and he goes, oh, I wouldn't have done it if I, if I would have known that, that, that she was married. I looked at him, I said, but you're married. And the other pastor friend looked at him and said, at best, at best, your profession is suspect. At best, because Christians, 
actually have a desire to grow. Christians want God. Christians want heaven not to escape this earth, but they want heaven because of God. You see, Christians have a desire to grow. Christians are convicted over sin. I mean, back in verse 9 of chapter 3, he said, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. His seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. If you were to break down all the language there, it would, what it was referring to is, is, is a Christian just doesn't keep on sinning with no regard and, and just go, go, you know, I prayed that prayer and I'm just going to go live for self. No, that's not a Christian. A Christian is somebody who wants God and fights sin. But a Christian has the fruit of the Spirit. He goes on and, and, and we just see it in, in Galatians how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See, God just begins to change us from the inside out. One old-timer said this way, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be, and I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be, and I am what I am by the grace of God. And what happens is, is now that the Spirit of God is in us, there is internal change. God begins to work in us from the inside out. You see, religion is, I'm going to change my heart by outward conformity. And yet, if that's the way it is, then it's a fearful life, isn't it? So we see the first testament assurance is really possession of the Spirit of God. The second testament assurance is the confession of Jesus Christ. And he goes on, and in verse 14 he says, And we have seen and do testify, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. It's this testimony based on this confession based on apostolic testimony. I mean, all the way back in verse 1 of chapter 1, John the Apostle saying, I, I put my head on Jesus Christ's chest. I, I walked with him. Jesus Christ fed me. I saw the pre-crucified Jesus. I saw the resurrected Jesus. And he said, which we saw from the beginning, which we heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. And John the Apostle saying, that same Jesus that I saw is the same Jesus that can save you. But this confession is actually complete in doctrine. He goes on and says, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. All throughout the New Testament, there's these little, um, these little encapsulated gospel messages. And that's one of them. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And in this one, we see that the gospel is initiated by the Father. The Father sent the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We, we see in Romans 5, God commends His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see these things, how that God loves us. Earlier in 1 John 4, verse 9, he says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him verse 10 here in his love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins god initiates this love toward us aren't you thankful for that i mean how many of you love god but you wish you just loved god more aren't you glad that the creator of the universe who's existed for all of eternity outside the universe, 
who's existed, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, this Trinitarian Godhead who has the capacity to love. You see, when, when it says God is love, do you know that Christianity is the only worldview that it can explain how is it that God is love? And it's because God the Father has loved the Son and the Son has loved the Father and they work in harmony for all of eternity. And God is love and he shows us that love by sending jesus to die on the cross and he puts that love in us through his spirit the father sent the son to be the savior why because we're sinners because we don't love because we lust ourselves. Because we care for ourselves more than the needs of others. You see, because we're broken, fearful people. This goes back all the way to the garden, doesn't it? Do you know the story of Adam and Eve? God creates the the world in six days. And his creation of, of mankind made in his own image. Adam and Eve... They walk with God. There's, there's, a, there's a freedom. There's, there's, a, there's, there's no fear. There's, a, there's a, an openness and a nakedness that's just there's no fear at all. And then Adam and Eve, they choose to sin against God. And what's the first emotion that we see in the garden is the emotion of fear. And they're afraid. And they're trying to cover themselves. And they're trying to hide from God. And do you know that that fear is what drives all of us The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, Jesus Christ was seen by his cousin, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which cometh to take away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ came to this world. He never once sinned. He never once broke God's law. In fact, in Matthew chapter 3, it says that Jesus fulfilled all the law. Jesus Christ, he said, It thus it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus Christ never sinned. He fulfilled all the law and that they crucified him because Jesus Christ became sin for us. He became our Savior. Have you ever seen that you're a sinner? You know how frantic it is? How many, how many of you have ever got yourself trapped in a lie before? You ever try to, you ever try to cover up some sin? You know, have you ever tried to be like, oh, I, I really wasn't there, but, but you were there, and then you're trying to explain it. It's just like that, the frantic nature of trying to cover up sin. You know what God does to help us see clarity to that we're sinners? He gave us his law. And he gave us his law so that every mouth will be stopped and all the world will become guilty before God. I, I was in a circumstance in Alabama. Did you know that everyone's a Christian in Alabama? Did you know that? That's a joke. The pastor said, hey, Will, can you come and talk to this sweet lady? And, and that's how I heard it. I, I don't know what he said. I just heard sweet older lady that she's going to have plates of cookies for us i just that's what i thought i just pictured plates of cookies and a sweet old lady and we're going to talk about jesus christ and we get there and the pastor says hi uh, um and she goes yes i know you and she go, and he goes and this is my friend will and he's at our church and he's going to share with you the good news of jesus christ and this lady just looked at us and she just goes well get it out I thought, I don't think this is going to be a sweet little lady with plates of cookies. I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm from Idaho, and so I'm just taking it literally. She said, get it out. So obviously she means that, right? 
But I didn't know that sometimes in the South, you can say things you don't quite mean, can't you? And so she said, get it out. And so I just started working through the Ten Commandments. I was like, well, ma'am, are you a sinner? Have you ever lied before? And she goes, we've all lied before. Well, I said, well, ma'am, that means that you're a sinner. And she just kind of rolls her eyes. And she's like, well, I do declare. Mammy, have you ever stolen anything? Just a few things as a little girl. I said, well, ma'am, stealing and lying is a sin against God. We're all sinners. And she goes, she actually said, well, I don't like to think of it that way. I just kept on working through the Ten Commandments, and I'm getting nervous, so I'm talking faster, and I'm just going faster and working through the Ten Commandments. And, and I'm just like, what are we doing? She has no desire to hear this. How did I get stuck in this circumstance? And then finally we get to the, the, the last commandment, thou shalt not covet. And her whole demeanor changed. And she just all of a sudden, she just kind of like, well, she goes, wow. And she looked at my pastor friend, she goes, she goes, I just never thought I was a sinner. I was thinking, you should have asked somebody. (laughs) You know, we're all sinners, aren't we? We've all broken God's law. We're all trying to cover. We're all trying to hide. We're all trying to do our own thing. We're trying to evaluate. I mean, how many times you talk to a person and you ask them about eternity and if they have a worldview that includes God and they have a worldview that includes eternity, spending God with, uh, eternity with God in heaven or spending eternity separate from God in hell, what do they do next? They begin to try to justify themselves. They begin out of fear to try to cover themselves. They try out of fear to begin to say, I've done more good works than bad works. And yet, what do we see in this text of Scripture? That the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world you back it up to verse 10 and here in his love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin that word propitiation it means that 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 jesus died to satisfy the wrath of god because of my sin i deserve god's wrath because of my sin i deserve god's judgment but who took god's judgment jesus christ god the son took my wrath so that the wages of sin is death and he dies from the cross and he goes and he's buried and three days later he's raised from the dead conquering sin you see an assurance of salvation is that the spirit of god dwells in me and it's a profession of jesus christ and this confession is complete in doctrine and this confession is personal in nature so in verse 14 he just goes on and says whosoever shall confess that jesus is the son of god so it's not just enough to know these things it's not just enough to hear these things I was leaving a church in Myrtle Beach, Beach, South Carolina and just preached out of uh, Romans 3 and just real clear that religion doesn't save. That was really the theme of the message. And this good old boy, he just comes up to me and goes, man, that just blessed my heart. He goes, that sermon, I mean, that just blessed my heart. I'm telling you, that just blessed me right here. I mean, that just blessed me. I said, sir, it's, it's one thing to be blessed but it's nothing to, to give your life to Jesus Christ. Have you ever submitted yourself to really Jesus Christ to be your Savior? And he goes, well, Will, let me just tell you a few things. My daddy, he was a founding member of such and such Creek Baptist Church. And you know what? My uncle, he's a trustee at such and such Baptist Church. And I've just known these things. And what you said just blessed my heart. I said, sir, 
Becoming a Christian is not knowing something. It's not being touched by something. It's about submitting to something. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? Well, Will, thanks so much. I better get going. We'll see you all this week. Have you ever submitted yourself to Jesus Christ? You see, this confession, it's not just that you know, though it does include, I mean, it's complete in doctrine. You're understanding my position. I'm a sinner. I understand God is, eter- is eternal. I'm understanding that Jesus, God the Son, came. He died, was buried, rose again from the dead. But it's a confession that is personal in nature. So whosoever shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, for me to say that Jesus is the Son of God is for me to submit to really the fact that He is the only means of salvation, that He's the way, the truth, and the life and that's why it's not words that save it's god that saves it's not a prayer that saves it's not saying something in a perfectly organized manner with the right inflection with the did you really mean it at the right time in that prayer it's not the words that save you that's religion that would be like um that'd be like a little magical potion no it's deeper than that i mean i mean just think about your own children i mean what's the best way for my children to ask for forgiveness Maybe the best way would be for my child to go to the other child and say, I, I did this, and I was wrong, and will you please forgive me, and can I make it right? I mean, that would be the best, that would be the best way to say those things, wouldn't it? But, but how many of you have ever had a child that said all those things, but something was still missing? But how many of you have ever had a child that was so busted up over their wrong behavior that they started to say, Dad, I was wrong. And they just lost it. I can remember one time where my child just started weeping so deep. You ever, you ever, you ever seen somebody have one of those, those sobs where they can't even get something out? And they're so broken. And there's, they, all they could say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Am I going to grab my child and say, wait a minute. Say it right. Man, we could get an atheist in here. We could give a perfect little sinner's prayer. I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's got the little smirk. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe he was buried and rose again. I believe. No, you don't your assurance of salvation is not because you prayed the prayer how many of you know someone prayed the prayer but you see nothing of jesus in their life prayers don't save god saves my buddy he was the fifth in the country cross country running 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 east north carolina university eastern north carolina university i mean fifth in the nation he's doing his miles his brother been preaching the gospel to him for two years and i mean as his feet are pounding the pavement the gospel's like massaging his soul and he's just like man 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 man. he's taking a shower and then all of a sudden it's like like the light bulb goes on right all of a sudden, he's like, man, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. You know what? I believe. 
And if you were to pull Kyle Sullivan in here, he's a pastor of a church, and you know what? Kyle Sullivan still believes. It's a misnomer to think that salvation is just a past tense event. It's like, I got saved. Oh, I understand what we mean by that, but we're still believing. It's not just that I believed like, like 12 years ago. I, can I just testify to you all that here I am, Will Gulkin, you never heard me speak before, but guess what? I'm a Christian. Can I just tell you why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in me, and guess what? I still believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came this earth, lived a sinless life, fulfilled all righteousness, died on the cross, was buried and rose again. And my faith and trust in a right relationship with God is based on Jesus Christ alone. You see, the Spirit of God works in us to cause us to believe, but He causes us to keep on believing. Isn't that sweet to sit here? Like, what does that mean? That means, guess what, guys? I'm going to believe tomorrow, too. You want to know why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in me. It's not because of what I did. It's what God has done in my life. And so a testament assurance of salvation is the Spirit of God in us, but then this confession of Jesus Christ. But he goes on in the third testament assurance of salvation is the love of God in us. And what does he say? Herein is our love made perfect. Excuse me, I missed verse 16. He said, and we have come to know and we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. We have known and believed. You ever known the love of God? Like we know the love of God? But how many of you have um, like come to believe that God loves you? Um, my wife and I, we've both had a circumstance in our marriage over the last, um, we've married 17 years. Um, she did something. And I just, I just, I wasn't being like snippy or anything. I said, I, I'm so glad that this happened because now I can just show you that I just love you like unconditionally. Um, it wasn't long, much longer after that circumstance that um, there was something in my life and Christy very kindly and gently and not, not at all edgy, she just goes, Will, I just want you to know I'm so glad that this happened so I could communicate to you I love you unconditionally. And you know, you know what else has been going on is um, we've lived a very busy life. I mean, we live really um, just by personality. We're just driven people and Man, we've been traveling all over and church plant and all this. And, and um, man, a couple years ago, my wife and I, we just, we, we kind of like, we're, we're, I mean, we have a good marriage, but all of a sudden we're looking at each other and going, you know what, if we're not careful, we could start to, we could like live in the same house, going in the same direction, but be two different people, you know what I mean? And we just got, got desperate. We said, you know, we want to really just love each other. Like, really love each other. You know what's amazing? Is I, I got one of the sweetest texts from Christy last night. Do you, know, do you know what's so odd? I think she actually loves me. And I know me. I'm a, I'm a bozo. But you know, I know her too. Do you know, do you know my wife, with all of her great things, has a bunch of weaknesses 
I just love her. You know why? Because God loves us. See, this is what the passage of Scripture is starting to do. It's unfolding. We, it's so stealth. You don't even realize it. You see, the whole point of 1 John is, is this commandment to love one another. All, all the way through 1 John, love one another, love one another. But what we begin to realize, I can't love one another. I'm not born with a love for other. Remember? It, it, I, love is not because I first loved God, but that he loved us. I, I'm not born with a natural love for God or others. And so what do we begin to realize? My ability to love others is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, my right standing with God based on the finished work of Jesus Christ is the foundation by which I can now love others. In fact, what we begin to understand is John's communicating to us, you can love others even if they don't like you. You see, religion is, I'm going to like the people that like me. I mean, like Facebook, right? Like, 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 and they like, 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 and Instagram, heart, 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 and they heart, 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 and, and all this stuff, and it's you scratch my back and I scratch yours. That's not love. That's not love. That's just, that's just mutual selfish society stuff. But what is love? Love is when there's brokenness. Love is when there's sinfulness. Love is when there's not, it's not pretty. And and what do we begin to understand? We've come to know and believe the love that God has toward us. And as we're just growing in grace, the Spirit of God dwells in us. I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm just maturing in my walk with God. And and I'm like, wow, I just thought evil again. Oh, Lord, will you please forgive me? And it's kind of trite. And it's just kind of trite. And then all of a sudden I realize, wow, I think evil of a lot of people. And God still loves me? Wow. I'm all alone and I'm thinking about the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Christ Jesus. I'm thinking about the love of God and some song just really works its way into my heart and nobody else is in the room and I'm crying. I'm saying, God, I can't believe you love a wretch like this. I can't believe that you shower your grace on a person like this, and we come to know the love that God hath to us, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. And what happens is, he goes on and he says, in verse 17, herein is our love made mature. It's like we begin to understand it. It, It's made perfect that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. So so what happens is, is, I don't have to be afraid of death. I don't have to be afraid of finding God. I don't have to be afraid of seeing God. I can have boldness. That's the opposite of religion. Religion is I'm not sure if I'm going to see God. I'm not sure if I've done enough good things to see God. I'm afraid to see God. And a person who's afraid about eternity is a person who's thinking about himself presently. And as the love of God matures in my life, I have boldness in the day of judgment because as Christ is, so are we in this world. My position in Christ, this right standing with God. And he says, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect or mature love casts out fear because fear hath torment. That word is only used one other place. It has to do in Matthew with hellfire. How many of you have ever been in a relationship where you didn't know where you stood. How many of you have ever gone to bed talking to somebody that wasn't even there? You ever had a conversation with somebody in the car? You ever looked at someone angry? They're over in the car next to you and they're not on the cell phone and they're just like... Torment. 
Fear has torment. And he goes on, he that feareth is not at he that feareth is not made perfect in love we love him because he first loved us do you know what's going on in this message there's some of us that we've never been assured of our salvation and it could be because you've never truly been saved and god is working your heart to save you it could be some of us, we've been up and down in our, our, our spiritual walk because, well, quite frankly, we didn't understand that it's, it's God who saves, it's not my behavior, it's God who saves, and he keeps his own, and he loves me, and I can be secure, and I can be free. And, and, and you know what else he's doing in this message? There's some of us that actually we don't like other people. And other people don't like us. And there's a disunity amongst the body. You know what he's saying? He's saying because of the gospel and the fact that God loves you and your eternity is secure, you can love others even if they don't like you. That sets us free. Because of my freedom in Christ, I am free to love others. You know what this does? This takes this out of the realm of religion and it puts it into a real relationship with God that allows us to have a sweet impact on all sorts of people that live all around Fresno even if they don't look like us sound like us we can just love because God first loved us and all God's people say so I've got a question do you know Christ you know today you could be saved you struggle with an assurance of salvation, do you know that this could be the day of you really digging into God's love for you? Do you have a broken relationship? Do you know the gospel's big enough for that too? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.